We've had several high-profile cases of rogue police officers, rogue units, killing and beating people. What are the responsibilities of the chief of police, police commissioners, supervision? Are there such things as rogue units? We'll talk about that and more with a retired police chief coming up on the Law Enforcement Today Show. Welcome to the Law Enforcement Today radio show. I'm your host. My name's John J. Wiley. In addition to being a radio broadcaster, I'm a retired police sergeant. For the latest news articles and much more, check out our website, letradioshow.com. In the Law Enforcement Today show, we'll be joined by special guests. We'll be talking about their experiences and issues affecting law enforcement officers, first responders, their families, their community, and victims of horrendous crimes. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Our page is Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Check out the daily articles on our website, letradioshow.com. And while you're there, download our free app. The place to be online is our Facebook page. Do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. You'll get access to unique news articles, editorials, and so much more. That's Law Enforcement Today Radio Show on Facebook. Has this ever happened to you? You sign up for a free email newsletter, and within hours, you're receiving tons of spam. That won't happen when you subscribe for the free Law Enforcement Today radio show email newsletter. We won't spam you. No more than two emails a week. I promise. All subscribers are automatically entered in all future contests. Sign up at letradioshow.com. Scroll down to the sign-up area. That's letradioshow.com. We have Jeff Halstead on the Law Enforcement Today Show. Jeff is a retired police officer. And when I say police officer, he rose through the ranks. And he is also a police chief. And he is now one of the movers and shakers of Evertel, which we will talk about a little bit later on in the show. Jeff, first of all, thanks so much for your service. Secondly, thanks for being a guest on the Law Enforcement Today Show. Very much appreciated. Same to you, John Jay. Thanks for your service. I appreciate you having me. And by the way, this is the second time Jeff's been on the show, so he's kind of an old hand at this. But we're going to talk about something. And if you've been listening to the Law Enforcement Today show for a while, you know we don't do trials by media. It doesn't matter what my personal opinions are. It doesn't matter what the facts are. We just don't do that. We believe everyone has a right uh, presumed innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. So that's why we don't do it. And so many cases of cops that have been accused of really bad things, it was thrown out in court. Then we have cases of cops doing really bad things, they're convicted. We're not here to do that. We're here to talk about rogue police units. We're here to talk about responsibilities of police chiefs, police commissioners, accountability, direct line of supervision, all those things. And Jeff, you and I have talked and I, I'm retired from the Baltimore Police Department. You retired from Phoenix. You did a couple tours as police chief for Fort Worth. And we know what goes with the territory. We know complaints come. We know most of them are unfounded. We know that that 99.9% of the cops out there do a phenomenal job every minute of every day. And it's a small exception. But there have been multiple cases over the last few years in Baltimore in Memphis, in Minneapolis, of officers beating people, of officers doing corrupt crimes, of officers killing people. And my personal problem with this is, Jeff, to be totally honest, no one seems to hold the the chief of police or police commissioners accountable. And I, I think that we need to shed some light on how these units operate. And I appreciate you doing that. 
Oh, no, I, it's, you know, it's, it's going to be a good conversation that we can have about some of the truths that occur in administration. But you're absolutely right. Uh, there is a high accountability desire among all levels of leaders in our in our cities, and we got to have this conversation. We do. And, and, you know, I want, as a retired police, I tell people I'm very selfish. If I call 911, it's more than likely going to be due to a medical emergency. Uh, and the person responding is more than likely going to be a cop because uh, they're closest and they're the most mobile. So they're the first on the scene. I want the best of the best to show up, and I want them on their A game. I don't want the second string coming up. I agree with you. I, it frustrated me, you know, before I got into law enforcement, I saw a bad side of policing. I mean, I was stopped numerous times in South Florida just because I was a young kid with long hair and a nice car. Automatically thought I was dealing drugs. Wait a I minute. Tell you're, you how many. You're about the same age as me or similar, and it's the whole making County line thing. There was times <laughs> I wouldn't drive in Georgia <laughs> because of that. And I had a huge bush. Yeah. Oh, I, I, my best friend saw me get my butt kicked by a Fort Lauderdale cop just because I was in the wrong neighborhood at the wrong time of night. Yeah. No PC for a stop, no reasonable suspicion, no traffic violation. I just didn't fit, so I got aggressively manhandled. Yeah, yeah and, very frustrating time. And that, that does happen periodically, and there's an old saying. No one hates dirty cops more than good cops. No one wants to see Boy, anybody do it. And we all have our moments, no matter how good you are. You could be St. Francis of Assisi and have a bad day. That's why the squad concept is so important. We have cops that say, okay, you're clearly not in control. Go to the car. We'll take care of this. Because everybody can have that moment. But that leads to the whole conversation. And I'm going to ask some questions. And again, we're not going to do trial by media. One of the things I had a conversation with someone about was these so-called, and I'm air quoting, rogue police units. They do not, in my opinion as a sergeant, do not go unnoticed. People don't know that there are suspicions. People are not entirely unaware of, well, you got some cops out there doing bad things. And the media seems to portray that that. I don't know what the answer is. I know the question is, why are these things happening, and where the heck is the first line of command? Where's the supervision? Where are the the, the actions? And how come we're not holding police chiefs accountable for the actions of their troops? Yeah, I, boy, you and I had this conversation, and I thought about this numerous times when I see very high-profile use of force incidents. Of course, they're caught on video and or somebody's smartphone, but... I'm always asking, where's the sergeant, where's the lieutenant, where is the shift commander on scene reviewing everything that led to the use of force, that led to the arrest, that led to the traffic stop, and then there's no one there. And I'm thinking, what is going on in the chain of command when you have a high-profile, high-risk crime suppression unit, and there is not 24-7 active supervision on this? You know there's going to be use of force. You know there's going to be high level of targeting within certain high-risk communities. There should be sergeants on every one of these stops or arrests because that is what their job is. And yet, sometimes in agencies, it was a total blindside by the chief, meaning the chief and the administration didn't even know some of the aggressive tactics being used because they're not briefed on a daily or weekly basis. And I quite honestly don't understand that. When, when we have a situation, a lot of people don't understand chain of command. So I retired to the rank of sergeant, and my job was to make sure that the men and women who work for me 
did the best job possible and they were okay they were taken care of so we protected them and when they were wrong we educated them we and i had to have some guys fired and by the way i did have to arrest a police officer and that was not fun it happens every day but that involves work and that involves personal accountability and I don't see that in some of these cases. And Jeff, to be honest with you, I don't know where the breakdown has occurred. I think in the majority of these, I'm speaking both from experience and then a consultant that went in to do some fact-finding, it is somewhere in the rank of mid-management, command staff level at a captain and deputy chief or major level, when they are trying to stifle some of the facts that were involved in aggressive crime suppression units, um, and then they try to keep that, and I call it selective briefing, where, and I was the victim of this, where like my deputy chief would only select brief me on certain aspects of an arrest, not the totality of facts that existing on the booking form. And I didn't appreciate the fact that this was getting filtered to my level as chief. So I wanted a direct communication and you know, instituted this overnight shift report where I see the facts myself because I got sick and tired of getting filtered briefings. So I think, and the ones I've been associated with, they're somewhere around mid-management. Right above lieutenant, it will stop and become a little more filtered. Yeah, and I, I get it. Uh, a lot of people don't want to give bad news. The old saying about shooting the messenger, a lot of times that's an issue. And I'll be honest, a lot of these police commissioners, police chiefs, and command staff are political appointees. And the mayor's got some responsibility as well. This is the Law Enforcement Today Show. We're going to turn our conversation with Jeffrey Halstead, retired police officer, retired police chief, also one of the heads of Evertel. We're going to talk more about rogue police units, rogue police officers, lack of supervision, chain of command, et cetera, et cetera. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. You are going to love my Your Diet Do-Over Do-It-Yourself course on HarmonyWithFood.com, which means you could do everything at your own pace. I put my heart and soul into this course. Have you been on every diet there is only to gain the weight back? If your relationship with food is, well, not that good, you should purchase the Your Diet Do-Over course. Go over to HarmonyWithFood.com, click the Your Diet Do-Over tab and get started today. One of the most frequent questions we see is, where can I find great podcasts? Do you have any suggestions? Yes, we do. So we decided to start our own podcast network on Law Enforcement Today. That's right. You can find top podcasts about law enforcement on our website and our free app. Go to letradioshow.com, click the Be Heard tab, and there you'll find the LET Podcast Network. We'll be adding more podcasts from first responders and more. Again, to find the Law Enforcement Today podcast network, go to letradioshow.com and click on the Be Heard in our menu or download our free app today at letradioshow.com. This is the Law Enforcement Today show. Return to our conversation with Jeffrey Halstead. Jeffrey is a retired police officer, also former police chief, I believe, of Fort Worth, Texas. And I believe it was two terms. Was that correct, Jeff? Uh, it was actually one, but, you know, we extended the five-year strategic plan, so it ended up being six years. Right. It felt like 10 terms <laughs> when you live in chief years. But, no, it was a great assignment. One of the things about being police chief is it's incredibly 
prestigious position, a lot of responsibility as well. One of the main things I have a problem with and I don't understand is, and there's several incidents, I'm not going to go into each one, where we had, for example, when I worked narcotics in Baltimore, one of the standard operating procedures from defense attorneys was to create a complaint against arresting officers for discourtesy and excessive force. This is before the advent of body cameras. And they were all unfounded. However, if you got enough of those complaints, you're pulled off the street. We have these so-called rogue units doing horrible things, and people act as if, when I say people, police chiefs down to the rank of, like, captain, act as if they are totally unaware. Hey, this is a freak incident. How can that happen, Jeff, where, no, there's no such thing as a unit that people don't know what they're doing. Well, it, uh, boy, it happened to me once, uh, and anyone can Google Rainbow Lounge, Fort Worth, Texas, and you're going to see I was the target of global protesting never recommend that anyone but what happened was there was a unit that were doing high profile what they call bar checks maybe a sergeant would be in with the team they would target brand new liquor license establishment literally aggressively walk through and do the official inspection with state liquor agents not a big deal but it's they only targeted bars where there's high uh, crime incidents part one crime and violent crime and then, lo and behold, on June 28th of 2009, they targeted the Rainbow Lounge. Uh, I think there were 17 people arrested, one hospitalized with a brain injury. Uh, it became a global story in three hours, and no one briefed me. I was so caught off guard on Sunday morning by my city manager, by my mayor, by every elected official in Tarrant County, and I kept saying, it didn't happen in Fort Worth. I'm looking at the overnight report right now on my computer. It didn't happen here. It must have happened in Dallas. Well, it's because no one in the chain of command ever wrote this up. The reason they didn't write it up, no one did an arrest report for any of the 17-plus people arrested, including the injured prisoner that had a brain injury. So our entire chain of command was oblivious. So it did stop somewhere at that shift commander level that nothing got done. And talk about a global incident and a global embarrassment, that was us. So here I was saying, I knew nothing about this. It's the worst conversation to ever have as a police leader. Regardless of rank, if you do not know what your people are doing 24-7, you're not doing your job. Exactly. Period. Exactly. And it makes, I hate to say this, it's not personal when I say this, it makes you look like you're incompetent not doing your job. You're exactly right. You know, here we are, and still today we're doing this. I was relying on email-based communication to get my facts so I can be ready seven days a week if people were to hold me accountable for leading the police department. And we're still doing that today when the rest of the world has migrated to instant communication on mass scale. Here we are emailing facts and details about specialty units doing crime suppression efforts in variety parts of our cities. It's unacceptable. It, it truly is. And I have to go back in my history a little bit. Every every unit from a patrol unit, they had a sergeant and a sergeant had a lieutenant and a lieutenant had a captain. And, and there was a chain of command and we had to respect that chain of command. When there was an incident, we had a form called a 95. You wrote that down in addition to your arrest reports or whatever police reports might be. And that went up the chain of command. It was not uncommon for chief patrol, chief of someone else, or commissioner to call you in your office and say, hey, explain this to me. And that's what they did. And we had 
I say, man, we had people, their job was to keep the commissioner informed of what was going on. The only exception to that would be what we called our intelligence unit. They were extremely deep undercover. They're working corruption cases, and a lot of their, their officers came directly out of the academy. They appeared to be fired about a week before graduation. We never knew they existed. They didn't report to him, but a sergeant knew, a lieutenant knew, and someone knew somewhere. This whole concept of how can we have units like the ones running amok doing things that I don't know if any cop would do ever under any circumstances and and no one seems to know. I just can't seem to, to wrap my head around that. Where's the sergeants? Where's the lieutenants? Well, and you know, someone knows, I think where you're going to find the gap and the failure to communicate effectively with facts and details is appointed positions. Once you go to your last tested promotional rank in the majority of agencies, it could be captain, then they get appointed after that. You want to make sure that none of this bad news gets to your boss because it makes you look bad in your command. And I think most of the time, especially the ones that I was a consultant and I handled myself, it's because someone in an appointed position didn't want the embarrassment that their division screwed up in this manner. So they either stifled it or they filtered it up the chain. And I'm glad you said that, Jeff. In, in my department, the captain was the last competitive tested rank. Uh, and by the way, captain was known as a position where your career ended. Uh, very few captains <laughs> made it above that. However, many lieutenants yeah. were handpicked and promoted to majors, district commanders, and from there on up. And they, I'm not saying anything negative. There's some really, really good people that did a great job. Uh, friends of mine as well that did that. However, there's something we said about the whole bear of bad news thing. And you can't have sunshine and roses and unicorn, you know, what's every day in a big city police department or even small departments. You can't. It's impossible. No, you're absolutely right. And you know, you got to remember, the only time we go to work is when something bad has happened. They're not calling 911 to congratulate their neighbor on getting a promotion. They're calling 911 because there is a significant problem, crime being committed, or something they're observing in dire emergency. They want us to come fix it. So we are going to have bad news and bad briefs and bad intel updates because 24-7 we're responding to bad incidents. Right. What's that old Joseph Wombaugh saying? And, and I'm paraphrasing that police work is, is extremely psychologically damaging. You deal with the worst of society, the worst of their moments, and eventually you can become one of the, the, the kings of the, the pile of you know what. We <laughs> so deal. I still say it. Yeah. No, we do. And, and even today, eight years I've been out of the job. I still hate getting phone calls when I don't know someone's calling me on a certain topic because I think the world is coming apart. It's still to this day, that's my mantra is when my phone rings, it's bad stuff. Well, and it, that's only because of my job. You're probably like me, Jeff. When the phone rings, you're not expecting a phone call. You're like, who is this? What are they calling about? Someone better be dead. Yeah, who died? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Something's bad happened. Because otherwise, I, I'm not sure I want to have a conversation. And there's so much more we can talk about. When we return, we're going to talk about the accountability of mayors, how police commissioners are assigned, found, hired, 
and I say police commissioners, police chief, chief police, superintendent, whatever terms you want to use. This is the Law Enforcement Today Show. We're having a very general conversation with Jeff Halstead, who's a retired police officer and also a former police chief from Fort Worth, Texas. He knows firsthand what we're talking about and why things are done the way where they are. This is Law Enforcement Today Show. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. Of all the radio stations in the United States, there's only one show like ours, the Law Enforcement Today radio show. And on Facebook, there's only one official page. Do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today radio show. That's Law Enforcement Today radio show on Facebook. When you get there, click like and follow. And if you're on the Clubhouse drop-in audio chat app, be sure to look for me and follow me. My name's John, the letter J, Wiley, W-I-L-E-Y. You can also search for at L-E-T Radio Show. That's John J. Wiley, W-I-L-E-Y, at L-E-T Radio Show on the Clubhouse drop-in audio chat app. I'm John J. Wiley in the Law Enforcement Today Show. Returning our conversation with Jeffrey Halstead. Jeffrey is a retired police officer, rose through the ranks, and became chief of police of Fort Worth, Texas. He is now one of the movers and shakers of Evertel. And we'll talk about Evertel and what they do a little bit later in the show. Jeff, you went from being a police officer, I want to say officer, that's all the way through the ranks, and that was in Phoenix, correct? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It was uh, served almost 21 years there and then got the job in Fort Worth, Texas as chief. As chief and I served there for six, a uh, little over six years. Now, Fort Worth, Texas is not a small department. That's a big department. And by the way, uh, Officer Garrett Hall and other ones, uh, Matt Pierce, uh, who survived a horrible shooting I've had on my show. I had uh, Mitchell Ellis on talking about the, the, the murder of police officer Garrett Hall. They're, they're, they're no strangers to violent crime. It happens, and it's a big agency, and a lot of bad things have happened. But when you became police chief, it was part of a rigorous process. Who did you report to? Oh, boy. So there's two different types of police chiefs, commissioners, directors, whatever the title is. It's the same. Either you work for a city manager form of government or a strong mayor form of government. Now, Fort Worth, Texas is a city manager form of government. So the city manager hired me. But make no mistake, I work directly for the mayor and council. Even though in city charter, it specifically states they can have no influence on the police department, my job, my decision-making, my policies, they had a massive amount of influence. And thankfully, my relationships were great with them the majority of the time. But I did work specifically for the city manager and reported directly to him. And I'm going to bring up two questions. Number one, the city manager part. The city managers are not elected. They're, they're paid bureaucrats. Am I correct? Yeah, you're right. They're definitely hired with the majority vote of a city council, sitting city council, all elected officials. So they do have political strings attached to them and make decisions based upon the political realities of what they need to get done in the city. Now, the mayors, the city councils, the executive branch of the government usually is the one responsible for our police agencies. And they ultimately, in my opinion, and correct me if I'm wrong, are the ones that should be held responsible for the actions of their officers, them and the chiefs. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, and they, they get a pass 
a lot of the time. Right now in Austin, Texas, there is a mess going on, a mess that was created by elected officials. And now they're basically saying it's the police department's fault. No, it's not the police department's fault. Two years ago, you tried to reduce funding across the entire area. So in reality, they get a lot of passes. And, you know, I, a lot of my friends, dear friends, work directly for mayors. And it is a great job as long as you're liked. And the minute you become a commodity or something negative to their tenure, you're not going to have a job much longer. And that, that's the frustrating part of working directly for a mayor-appointed chief of police position. And so much of what they do is based on optics, how things look. It doesn't matter if the – and I, I'm going to quote this one, the Freddie Gray case in Baltimore. Uh, when yeah. people went with, well, we all know this is a fact, and when the facts spoke for themselves, every one of those cases was dropped in court or prosecution was ended by the prosecutor because there were no facts to back up the accusations. And we had officers, when I say officers, police officers, sergeants, lieutenants, who were suspended without pay, which meant that their family members, their spouses, their children went without health insurance. They had to go through the the, the whole legal defense, sometimes in some agencies, out of their own pocket and then get reinstated. It's a long legal challenge, and they take a huge financial pounding, and there's nothing to it except the so-called optics. And I always I push this on a national level many times when I was chief with major city chiefs and PERF, Police Executive Research Forum. Show me one study where punishment of finances brings a better employee. I, I, I was not a fan of giving somebody a, you know, a 160-day unpaid suspension because they're going to come back bitter, angry, and you hurt their family's finances. So that entire family now is not very fond of the police department. So it is much better to have a more structured form of discipline where you don't have to financially punish them because they're going to come back with a little bit of venom in their work attitude. And that's not productive for our profession. No. But no one can show me a study where taking away their money and their benefits makes them a more productive employee when they come back and they learn from it because they have not. It's just damaged the profession. And, and, and it really it, it flows over to so many other good cops that do a really great job. And they're like, well, why should I put myself at risk? Why should I put my family at risk? Because we're all one call away from bad optics. And I, I remember that phrase distinctively when I was chief. I would hear it on the phone, hear it in the meeting, or be in executive session with mayor and council when they say, the optics are not good here. And I always wanted to remind them, I'm the only one in uniform with a badge that's going to get yelled at and threatened about this. Not y'all. It's going to be me. So I'll handle the optics. They just don't like it because politically it damaged them and or their reelection campaign. That's the only thing that really frustrated them. It wasn't the issue. It wasn't the people that had to deal with it. It was the fact that now they are getting into these kind of like images of the incident. And they don't like that. I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, the term I think of is plausible deniability. And I, for one, I, I understand. I'm not young. I'm not stupid. I'm not naive. I understand why they do it. However, when the mayor turns around, and I'm not going to call out names, but when the mayor says, oh, look at what this police department did. They're so evil. Look what these officers did. It's your department. It's your agency. Yeah, how is it you can wipe your hands clean and say, oh, I had nothing to do with this? You know, and how can you make such a broad brush statement that because of one incident happened in one city in one state, 
nationally there should be a trend to stop funding specialty units or crime suppression units in your city. How can you say what happened in one city should be a national campaign of reducing support for law enforcement? Because now you see what we're, ha- we're dealing with in 2023, three years later, is we can't hire, we can't recruit, we're having our time getting training, they've cut all of these areas of our budget, and now there's a hiring crisis in policing. Well, you know why there is. It's because you did not support us when we needed you. Uh, case in point, uh, El Cajon, California, I read an article today, they're offering a $25,000 bonus for experienced officers from other agencies. So who is losing these experienced officers? San Diego Police Department, San Diego Sheriff's Department, other surrounding jurisdictions, they're all going, hey, twenty five grand, same kind of work, a little bit nicer neighborhood, I don't have as much stress, a little bit more support. You're exactly right. And you got some agencies actually promoting the top end of police officer pay, which can take eight years to get, but they're promoting that like it's an entry level. And that's just not the case. Um, my former agency, Phoenix PD, they got a 20% hiring bonus for new recruits. Well, now new recruits are making more than five-year officers. And they're like, wait, where's the balance? They have to renegotiate a lot of their benefits. But it's come to a point, and it is a crisis because – you're beat up every day in national and, you know, all of your local news that this profession is horrible. And it's not. And I say this statement and I can argue with anyone in the world. We are the greatest at completing an unpredictable mission, period. When we finish briefing and get in our car and go 10-8 and we go into traffic, we have no idea what's coming our way. But we are the best at completing our mission day to day. Yeah, and solving people's problems. That, look, You're exactly you right. and I both know 95% of what we did on a daily basis was solving quality life problems, investigating crimes. It really wasn't about locking people up. And a proactive policing where you did get criminals, the vast majority of them were not violent. They were not the ones that would hurt you. It was a very, very small percentage that would hurt you. And the vast majority of people I dealt with every day, I never, ever, ever arrested because... There's no cause. There's no probable cause. They didn't do anything wrong. They're good people. This is Law Enforcement Today's show. We're talking with Jeffrey Halstead. He is a retired police officer and also former chief of police of Fort Worth, Texas. When we return, we're going to talk more about, I hate to say it, the lack of accountability. Why these so-called rogue units and rogue officers are so plentiful, or maybe it's a perception thing. This is Law Enforcement Today's show. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. I got a deal for you. No, I'm not trying to sell you a bridge or swampland. Enter contests for your chance to win great prizes by subscribing to the Law Enforcement Today radio show email newsletter. All subscribers are automatically entered in all future contests. Sign up at letradioshow.com. Scroll down to the sign up area. That's letradioshow.com. We're all over social media. Be sure to like and follow our Facebook page, Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. We're on Twitter. Follow us at LET Radio Show Podcast. And on Instagram, look for LET Radio Show Podcast. Of course, don't forget our website, letradioshow.com. See you there. This is the Law Enforcement Today Show. Returning our conversation with Jeffrey Halstead. A repeat appearance by jeffrey jeffrey is a retired phoenix police officer and also former chief of police of fort worth texas police department i believe he did six years he's one of the founders of evertel technologies we'll talk about what they do in a moment 
one of the things that that really irks me i just there's several things jeff i'm i gotta be honest with you uh my wife will tell you there's a lot of things that get under my skin but one of them is that police work is more dangerous now than it was in the 80s and 70s and 60s i tell them that the stats don't prove that out and also that we seem to have more bad officers doing horrible things and what i tell them is you're just more aware we didn't have the 24 our cable news network we didn't have social media we didn't have people with cell phones everywhere and we didn't have reporters running amok to put the worst possible story out there so when cops do really good things which is 99.99 percent of the time no one knows about it i i always boy we were the first major city to deploy body cameras and it was a tough culture shift in 2010 because the natural instinct of a cop is you're going to fire me because i cuss on a traffic stop and that simply wasn't the case. I allowed the union to write our policy because I wanted them to have confidence that this device, the recording of every arrest, traffic stop, street contact, is going to save you from false complaints. And it did. We never paid a dollar out in litigation if I had body cam video. With that said, I can't even think of my walking beat days and aggressive traffic enforcement days and specialty unit enforcement, uh, these crash units per se, of having a body camera then because I don't think I'd have made this career more than three years. It was just, there's a very violent side. And as I say, the use of force is never pretty. But when you start fighting crips and bloods and gang crack dealers, it's going to look nasty on video. Thankfully, we didn't have smartphones back then because I could survive my career. But today's job is way more challenging. You're being filmed all the time. I saw someone, someone the challenge for a police officer today is to make it home alive and not to wind up on YouTube. <laughs> so, uh, sadly, I was, you know, a chief that was on YouTube quite a bit, not because I wanted to be, but because I was filmed in all these community forums dealing with high-profile or controversial uh, deadly force encounters on officer-involved shootings. With that said, um, when you do become a negative target, watch out because the news will come after you 24-7, and it is hard to survive that as a chief. It's very, very difficult. Well, once you're in their spotlight for negative attention and increased ratings, they're, they're not going to stop until another news story pops up that's that's equally more profitable. Uh, there have been court case decisions after court case decisions that the news media does not have to tell you facts. Their job is to generate revenue get more eyeballs on a story, uh, and they twist stories. W- one of the things that I really believe in is I work with some of the best people in the world, doing the, the hardest job in the world. And while none of them were saints, they did a great job every minute of every day. Yeah, sure, we all had our moments where we wish you'd done things better. I didn't ever recall working with someone that had corruption issues or... Uh, excessive force or anything like that if someone had that people knew about it very very quickly uh, but what they don't seem to know about is we had a saying jeff you can go from being officer of the year to uh the unemployment line within less than a year uh, the spotlight and the searchlight uh bring about the same results so having said all that i don't think i'd be a police officer nowadays without a body camera you're right, because how are you going to justify everything? And, I, you know, we used to teach a class. This was early on when body cameras were being issued, and I was consulted doing this. It was called Policing on Camera, and it was an hour-long class 
where you could do a lot of educational commentary before you even stop the car, meaning see this car weaving back and forth. That's an indicator of 60% of, you know, DWI. And you're actually getting your story on video, justifying the stop, justifying the encounter. And when you back away from the driver, their attitude could be a conversation you have. This helps you. It makes you a human. It makes you have a heart. And you are viewed now as a problem solver and not an enforcer. There's a big difference when you police on camera versus not being trained in that manner. So you're absolutely right. How do we get a message to, I said the good, I almost dislike this phrase, the good cops and the bad cops. I don't like that because uh, it's such a rarity to have someone do something really, really wrong. But how do we get a message to them, hey, look, this is this is your job. Do the best job possible. Have some honor, have some integrity, and, and don't be afraid of proactive policing when it's called for. Well, I, I always look at the models of success. So let's talk about task forces for a brief second. You know, when we join in task forces with our federal partners, city, county, and state partners, but they're very, very successful. Joint Terrorism Task Force, Terrorism Liaison, high to drug trafficking, uh, you know, specialty units. The reason they're very, very successful is high accountability and adequate supervision. That's the reason they're successful. All of their progress and challenges and failures and mistakes is instantly reported, never, ever pushed under, and they report to higher authority on a regular basis. So there is a distinctive chain of command collaboration, and everybody is on the same page at all times. Then you have the rogue kind of like unofficial type of crime suppression units. You know, Tuesday night at 3 a.m. at this location, we're going to stop every car that moves. Um, that becomes a headache, and it becomes unreported headaches, and that gives everyone a bad name. So these organized task forces, amazing success for decades. No one talks about that. We only talk about the one that got rogue that led to a you know an in-custody death. Yeah, and we don't talk about all the de-escalation we did back in the 80s before it was a thing. We don't talk about community policing we did you know back in the day before it was a thing. We don't talk about the CERT teams. Like, we didn't do any of that stuff. We did all that stuff a long, long time ago. Uh, it's just some people are making it known as an issue nowadays. I want to shift gears, Jeff. After leaving police work, you, you're still involved with Evertel. Tell us about that. Yeah, I uh, got frustrated as, you know, my jobs that we could not instantly share critical intelligence, wanted persons, missing persons, in mass scale instantly. And it's because big tech was not going to build this for law enforcement. One, they're not a big supporter of the public safety profession. But two, we got about a million, maybe a million, too, if we add a lot of our federal and state partners. So no one's going to build for that. They build for billions of users. So we built Evertel, highly encrypted. You own the connectivity. You can target your intelligence to reach as many people as you want. And we allow you free connectivity to all non-Evertel agencies. So that means... Like Baltimore PD has been with us over three years. If Baltimore PD needs to get something out on a wanted fugitive who's a, a, a murder suspect, they could reach every agency in six counties, and none of them have to be ever tell customers. We allow the free connectivity so that crimes are solved faster and officers have better intelligence instantly, and they can actually have better officer safety. That sounds like a no-brainer. Why wouldn't an agency sign up for that? I don't know. You know, we do have over 200 agencies in 26 states. Uh, if I was a young cop, sergeant, investigation, CID, I would get on this in a second because I can build my own encrypted network, fully compliant with FOIA, CJIS, uh, HIPAA even, 
and I am going to be completely legal in all my communications, but I'm going to do my job faster than ever. In fact, our detectives say that cases are closed 60% faster when they deploy Evertel because they can connect to an unlimited number of other investigators. So other people are solving your cases. That's a win-win. That's such an, an easiest application is missing persons. We have young children missing. I want to be able to, to communicate with everybody and get that child back home or that elderly person. Obviously, you have a website. What is that website? Thanks, uh, John Jay. Yeah, www.getevertel.com. And Evertel is E-V-E-R-T-E-L. And uh, they can get a hold of you there as well, can't they? Yes, they can. Or you can email me directly. We have a great team that does nothing but support public safety. That's all of our targets. And Police, la- fire, emergency management. Last question, Jeff. Are you on social media as well? Yeah, I am. We uh, Twitter at Evertel HQ, Instagram Evertel HQ, and uh, the same. You can get me on LinkedIn. I'm on Jeff Halstead and or Evertel HQ. Jeff, I want to thank you for your service and really thank you for the candid conversation talking about accountability for police chiefs, mayors, uh, chain of command, and these so-called rogue units that everyone acts like they don't know about. And uh, I like the way you did it without pointing fingers or naming names, which is very much appreciated. Thanks so much for being a guest on the show. Hey, it's an honor to be with you as always. Thank you for your service. I'd like to thank our guests so much for coming on the Law Enforcement Today radio show. The Law Enforcement Today radio show is a nationally syndicated radio show broadcast on numerous stations once a week and growing. If you enjoyed the podcast version of the show, please do me a big favor. Tell a friend. I'll be back in just a couple days with a brand new episode of the Law Enforcement Today radio show and podcast. Until then, this is John J. Wiley. See ya. See ya.